Verbally Effective, episode 24, your double E, Ina Esco. I have with me today Mr. Hayward Anderson. Hi, Hayward. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. I haven't seen you in a long time, Hayward. Yeah. Yeah. I guess probably since college or well, just I've seen you here and about. That, yeah. Here, yeah. But here and there, Hayward has been in law enforcement for well over about 20 years or more now, right? Uh, about 15 years. About 15 years. Right. Yeah, I worked with uh, the sheriff department for two years, and uh, currently I'm with the uh, Germantown Police Department uh, as a detective. I've been there uh, 13, going on four, almost 14 years. Almost 14 years. Now, I know Hayward. Um, we both went to Lamorno in college together. And, of course, y'all know I pledged, a.k.a. Hayward <laughs> Pledged Omega Sci-Fi, the Killer Kai chapter. You talk to your frat brothers lately? Every now and then, you know, when I when when the uh, my job allows me to, you know, get away and be out, be out, <laughs> as we say. Yeah, you so. must work a lot. I do, I do. Mm-hmm. Like right now, currently, I'm right now as we speak, I'm on call. So are you? You know, we're gonna pray that uh, that phone don't blow up. Right. Okay. <laughs> now, I mean, even outside of. Um, us going to school together, uh, you pledging, me pledging. You have always been fit, and I see that you're no. always participating in, like, a 5K, 10K. What right. are you participating in now? Are you getting ready for a big run? Uh, I, Really not right now. Uh, I kind of just got back in the run. I had a hip injury, so oh, no. I kind of, you know, got depressed about that and let my, you know, social life kind of get the best oh. of me. Gotta and get it back, and so I've I've gotten it. Back. I've lost about thirty pounds. So I I'm, see you've I'm, lost some yeah, weight. I'm back running, so I'm preparing to run a, a marathon in October in Nashville. Okay. So okay. if you know the body holds up, you okay. know I'll, I'll be coming across the finish line. So you injured your hip running? Just the grind. You know I've been running for a friend of mine. A good friend of mine got me into running uh, mm-hmm. marathons like seven years ago, mm-hmm. and just kind of got that. You know, yeah, because you 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 are participating. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you post a lot about your running, and right. you seem to enjoy it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just you know, with everything that goes on in you know your life, you can just you know run and kind of just release. It's a stress reliever, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, the uh, African American community as well. Because I can remember when I first started running, there wasn't a lot of us participating mm-hmm. in 5Ks and 10Ks. It's really taken off, and, you know, it's just another way to uh, rub elbows and to meet, you know. Great networking yeah, at right, these Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. How did you get into law enforcement? You're a criminal justice major. Right. So you right. was like, I want to be a cop, or yeah, how did that I, go? Well, I always wanted to, well, first and foremost, I always wanted to do something, you know, that helped the community, working with the community. I used to, you know, I grew up coaching AAU basketball, or playing AAU ball, AAU basketball, and then transitioning into coaching, so helping the youth uh, at a grassroots level, 
like you said, I majored in criminal justice. So I always wanted to be, you know, an attorney or, you know, a police mm-hmm. officer. So uh, I chose the law enforcement route and, uh, you know, here we are. So now you're a detective right. for the Germantown Police Department. Like when I think of a detective, I'm thinking of some, you know, I'm get on a crime scene. I'm about to uh, kind of like the forensics type. But is it really the forensic piece of it or you're trying to, I guess, problem solve through the actual crime? Uh, well, it's a little bit of both. It's depending on the magnitude of the crime scene, you know, that you're working. Uh, I mean, obviously, in Germantown, being the suburbs, we, we work a lot of property crimes. You know, we don't have a lot of homicides. We do deal with a lot of uh, suicides. But, mm. um, you know, so it's just depending on what the magnitude of the crime is, you know, you know, like the forensics part of it would be more so if you were working a homicide, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or a suicide if, you know, a body's been somewhere for 10 days and you're mm-hmm. trying to determine, you know, how long it's been there and, you know, mm-hmm. everything like that. But for the most part, you know, it's just doing a lot of follow-up mm-hmm. uh, and getting statements from people and kind of just trying to put a puzzle back together. Mm-hmm. So. so you said, like, uh, in Germantown, it's mainly a lot of suicides, not homicides. Is it attributed to, you know, like, rich people problems? It can uh, it can happy. it can be yeah it, it's it's some of that but uh, Germantown also has a lot of um, uh, like elderly like mm-hmm. uh, elderly people mm-hmm. so you know you get especially around the holidays we get, I mean like November December we get a lot of that because you know people just not being with their families mm-hmm. being away from the families and different things like that they get depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so normally that's that's around that time we get a lot of it, you know. So wow, yeah, you know we have a lot of like nursing homes and things in Germantown where people mm-hmm. don't understand. So it's a really a older community. So mm-hmm. you know that's what we see a lot of. And then now uh, too, um, we have a lot of overdoses from mm-hmm. you know you have the heroin, you know the opiate opioid yeah crisis. So you get a lot of that. So oh wow, a lot of. I mean, suicides or just deaths from it. Um, like, if you get the call and you come on the scene of a heroin OD, what describe that for us? I'm trying to think. The last one we had, the kid lived at home with his parents. I think the last time they saw him alive, it was maybe like midnight. Mm. You know, how old? Uh, like maybe like twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm. You know, mom and dad go to bed. Um, Mom wakes up in the middle of the night and, you know, finds them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, we just get the call. I mean, it's, it's tough, but, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of got to go over there and interview the parents, get a statement. Really, it's just up to the medical examiner after that. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're they going to do their part, do an autopsy and find out actually what the cause of death was. But mm-hmm. we had actually had some training today. I know I'm not sure on the state level, but on the federal level, they're trying to go after, you know, the drug dealers that are supplying it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think here in Tennessee we've had one uh, that's actually gone to trial. I think it's in the process. One is in the process of about to, you know, go through that. But is it hard to trace down the actual dealers? Uh, it can be, but you know, a lot of times we try we try to get their phones. Mm-hmm. See, you know, a lot of times when you get the phone, cell phones, the last contact they had mm-hmm. was 
you know, with the drug dealer. So, okay. you know, these phones messing it up for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a it's a benefit for you guys, though. Oh, yeah. Trying absolutely. to solve the crime. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, our I know. Are in our I, I know. I know. Um, my wife probably wouldn't like this, but. <laughs> You know, because there's so much information in your phone, but I, you know, I just, I said, man, has anything ever happened to me? Hey, throw my phone in the, you know, Mississippi River, you know, but. <laughs> really, though? Really, it has everything in there. Yeah, because yeah, like... I've, 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 uh, I worked a case where a uh, mother was supplying her daughter with, you know, like, you know, drugs and alcohol and things like that. So, mm. not to be, you know, long-winded, but uh, I did a, I had to do a subpoena to get her phone and a search warrant. Mm-hmm. So, uh, got her phone, and they do what they call a phone dump. You know, so you basically can get everything off their phone, like text messages, photos. You know, even Internet if it's history. right, even if it's been deleted. You know. Oh, we no, y'all so, don't. Yeah, we don't actually do. I mean, we take it to you know mm-hmm. people that can. We have well, we do have some people in our department that you know that's trained that can do that. But dumped her phone, and you know, found all kind of text messages. Mm-hmm. pictures you know just everything videos all, everything the yeah. mama was supplying the daughter yeah. so, so was the mom denying it uh no not really because I, I i hadn't gotten a statement from her yet i was it was it was another person involved who was pretty much giving me the information mm-hmm. that that this case kind of affected it was a friend of mm-hmm. the you know the girls whose whose mom was supplying the drugs and alcohol and so I was getting all my information from her. Of course, when I did interview the mother, I mean, she denied it. But, you know, we, by that time I had built up a case. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but she was a juvenile, so. That's sad. Yeah. Now, this opioid crisis, I know I see a lot of reports, a lot of documentaries out now about this opioid crisis as if it's a whole new epidemic comparable to years before where it was quote unquote an epidemic is it worse than it was it's worse uh, it's worse crack was you know mm-hmm. was was bad then you know you had the uh what meth mm-hmm. of course that was bad this is like triple that as far as pills or well it is 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 both it's the pills heroin Yes, I mean it's just all of it, you know. The fentanyl is like it's, it's. I think it's, you know, I'm not an expert on it, but it's, it's like ten thousand, it's ten thousand times stronger than like, like heroin. The fentanyl. Yeah, just you know. So that's why we have to be, you know, as law enforcement, we have to be extremely careful. Like, you know, say you pull a vehicle over, and we might see a white substance, you know, in the vehicle in plain view or something like that, you know. It, you know, we deal with me, a lot of officers, you know, they, you know, they don't, they may not wear gloves or it just, it may just kind of be real quick where oh, I see that and, you know, they get to touching and next thing you know, it's not, it's not cocaine what they originally thought it was, but it's, you know, and it's too late then. So, you know, you just got to be real, you know, cautious on just pulling cars over, dealing with people. Because even the dogs, you know, we were training today and we had a guy come talk to us about about this uh, crisis, and he was just saying even the dog, you know, you bringing out a dog to see if it's drugs in the vehicle, mm-hmm. and if, you know, it's fentanyl, I mean. They can hurt themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, let's just say if you pull a car over, you see the white substance, you think it's Coke, you don't have any gloves on, but it's not Coke, don't it's fentanyl. It. What would it do to your body? 
You'll die. What? It's that potent. Yeah. If you just touch a piece of it, it's it's. I'm telling you, it's that's potent. some heavy stuff. Yeah, and people are, you know, I mean, it's just it's tough, you know, because even with the uh, heroin, that's you know why people are overdosing on the heroin is because they go to rehab, right? So they aren't they're using heroin, then they go to rehab, and then they come out and they relapse. And so they think that they can go back using the same, the same amount, amount that, that they, they were using before, and then they overdose. Mm, so Just like that. Yeah. So oh, Wow. So what are you all doing to solve this opioid crisis? <sighs> Better rehabs? People are probably in and out of these. Yeah. It, I mean, right now it's kind of, I think it's kind of in the beginning stages, you know. Like, we don't really deal with it, you know. It's, but, I mean, you have smaller cities you know that you know that's really dealing with it so i mean it's just gonna be something that just getting the drug dealers out like really getting the drug dealers off the street is mm-hmm. the main thing you know like stop going at these like low-level guys mm-hmm. that you know that's probably you know dealing marijuana and and really prosecuting the guys that's putting you know that because i mentioned earlier about they hadn't really started prosecuting on a state or federal level like people uh, drug dealers that have, you know, people have overdosed from, mm-hmm. you know, say you sell me some some drugs or whatever, and I overdose from it, mm-hmm. you know, they're not really, they hadn't really been going after the drug dealers, on, mm-hmm. you know, so wow. I think that's what they're really pushing now is really trying to prosecute these people and get them off the street. And do people deal with the internet with drugs now? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, people, you know, especially with these like pills, people are are making. You know, they're buying, what are they called? What are they called? Like the peel pressers, mm-hmm. I guess, where they're buying the stuff on the Internet, like the, there's substances to make. Oh, they're making it, buying yeah, the components and, and they to just, make And it. they're creating these pills themselves. So, you know, you don't know what's, you know, you get these Xanax or whatever. You don't know what you get. It could be whatever. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, big, uh, it's big business because, you know, you can get like a bottle of oxycodone or whatever, and, you know, I don't, I don't know with the going price on it, but like maybe off a pill, you, I mean off a bottle, you can probably make three, four thousand dollars. Yeah, so you know it's it's big business. You dealing with some heavy stuff, Hayward? Yeah. Now yeah. I'm about to get even heavier. Oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> well, the drug piece is a whole nother animal, and I know you probably get this often, whether it's from just your your family, friends. Or I really want to know the climate at your job when we mm. talk about recent tensions with um, police brutality mm. and law enforcement. I mean, just today in East Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a police officer shot 17-year-old Antoine Rose Jr. three times as he fled the scene of a traffic stop. So he was the passenger of a car suspected by police to be involved with the shooting earlier that day. Now, Antoine Rose was unarmed and was fatally killed, mm. and he's dead. Now, this is new. Right. I'm sure we're still waiting on details. But another young man, um, you know, dying at the hands of an officer, who was he was unarmed. And I know you probably get this all the time, but I never hear a police officer's perspective <laughs> on you know this issue like is it tension at germantown police department like when we talk about like i know you all have meetings like do y'all talk about this 
Uh, we really well in the, the investigations division. The, the guys that kind of I kind of sit around and work with, you know, we have discussions about. It and then I got close friends, you know, like I'm on a group text message and with my some of my closest friends, and we, mm-hmm. you know, communicate on it daily. And of course, you know, we have conversation when things like this arise. You know, they they always want to get my perspective, and you know, it's it's tough. You know, because whenever you see uh, on arm, you know, especially a black man, you know, killed by police, you know, that's, you know, that, that's always like, you know, wow. Like, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, we, and then everybody jumps on the, I hate the police bandwagon, you know, but a lot of times we kind of jump the gun without knowing a lot of All the information. The and a majority of the ones that I have seen, in my opinion, you know, not justified. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no defending that. But it's it's been other cases where, you know, like I try to give my friends like a different perspective, like you know, just dealing with law enforcement. If he had done, you know, not, you know, if he had just done this, or I don't want to use really use the word comply, but mm-hmm. it's just all about communicating. Mm-hmm. You know. But, you know, like I said, the majority of the ones, you know, it's no defending them. I, you know, I, it's nothing I can really say. You know, it's hurtful to see as a black black man, even though I'm in law enforcement. But it's just, you know, law enforcement really is just going to have to, you know, do a better job, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, change the culture of, you know, mm-hmm. you know how we police, you mm-hmm. know. So I have discussions with my friends, but for the majority, I just try to tell them, you know, when you're dealing with the police, just... You know, just, I don't know, it's tough. Comply? Well. <laughs> I know you don't want to use that word, but that that makes me think of the term code switching, you know, acting a certain way when you're in a situation. Let's let's say Ina, normal personality, mm-hmm. is, is boisterous and loud, and then when the police pull up behind me, I straighten up real quick, you know. Right, right. But me being me, I'm going to comply with the police. I don't want to <laughs> die. Right. Uh, code switching. Code switching. Now, I'm I mean, going to give you the actual definition of code switching. Because it's very interesting to me. Um, I've heard people discuss code switching, and I had never, you know, heard it broken down the way I've been seeing it. Have you heard of code switching before? I've heard of it. And, I, I mean, I think we all are guilty of it. <laughs> you of know? code switching. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think about when I'm at work, just depending on who I'm calling, you know, and dealing with whether they're a suspect or a victim, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to talk a certain way. You know, if It's I'm like talk- acting accordingly. Yeah, if I'm talking to a young person, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to still be professional, but I'm going to talk a different way. You know, I'm a, I may use a little slang with them or, you know, mm-hmm. just whatever. But if I'm talking to, you know, an older adult is, you know, mm-hmm. the conversation. And, okay. and, and, it, and it, you know, not just being an older person, you know, it might be a black person uh-huh. I'm talking to. It might, you know, so you kind of change, you know. Right. You know, how you communicate. So Now, this is what, what I found. Um, if you don't know what code switching is, it's a survival tactic mm-hmm. that can make or break us in getting a job, surviving a police stop just by simply making people comfortable with the way we handle ourselves, most of the time through speech. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really, like they said, a survival tactic. I, I mean, I, I can I, I can dig it, you know, because we've all had to probably, depending on the situation, had to code switch. Yeah, I mean, if it's a life or death situation, I'm code, yeah, I'm code switching, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on what kind of environment you're in. You mm-hmm. know, I know a lot of times, you know, like I, I work in Germantown, so mm-hmm. some of our detectives, you know, they not used to dealing with a certain type of, you know, person. <laughs> you know, we may be interviewing them. Because I can think back to a recent one where me and one of my coworkers, you know, Caucasian, and we got a black male that we're uh, interviewing. I mean, he totally, totally did not understand anything the guy was talking about. Mm, you know? Because of the way he was talking? Right. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the verb, the verbiage he was using, you know, it's like. <laughs> I, I can mean, only imagine. And he was looking at me like a deer in headlights. He was like. What does he mean, he Henry? Like, yeah, you, you got that? But, you <laughs> know, that that could really hurt you if you're in an interview room, a police, you know, I don't want to say, in, I just say interview room, but, and you talking to a detective, you know. And he don't understand what you're saying, even on a traffic stop. You know, mm-hmm. that's where I'm saying, like, a the lines of communication, you could get stopped on a, you know, traffic stop, right? And get the officer could tell you to step out the car for whatever reason. And you talking, you know, the streets, he, he telling you to, hey, do this. <laughs> and you talking, you know, in slang and, you nah, know. Nah, man. And so he, he, he becoming more you know, agitated or frustrated because you're not doing what he tell you know, and you're trying to explain to mm-hmm. him, not in the, you know, the way, uh, educated way, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're talking like you rapping. <laughs> it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem. Wow. Yeah, so. Well, well what, okay, so that happens, right? So shouldn't there be, like, some training for officers with vernacular? Like, you it, know what I'm saying, to handle that kind of situation? It absolutely should, you know. And the train to to me the training should be like Memphis probably don't have Memphis Police Department probably don't have that problem because they you know, a lot of their officers you know when they graduate the uh, academy you yeah. know they going to you know North Memphis or right. South Memphis or whatever you know but for you know from my perspective where I work at a lot of those guys you know and that's and you hear people say that a lot of times about how police officers dealing with people and they don't like live in those communities mm-hmm. or, you know, they're never around, you know, people from those, you know. So I think it should be hands-on, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I try to take guys when I'm going to different parts, of, you know, Whitehaven or where I'm going, I try to take guys with me. So, like, you need to be comfortable in this environment mm-hmm. and know how to, you know, talk to people. Yeah. And then vice versa. I'm just saying, if you're a criminal. Yeah, right. And you're dealing with the police, you know, you need to know how to, communicate with them like you need to know how to like turn the the street mm-hmm. language off and communicate effectively what that's true you know what you did or didn't do mm-hmm. so you know and i know that's what where attorneys come to play and mm-hmm. all that but you know a lot of people don't know their rights they mm-hmm. don't you know they give statements without mm-hmm. you know so wow the law can be so sticky, sticky situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we need people like you, Hayward, to, to you know, mold these new recruits right. and show them, well, yeah. let them learn some slang. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like to avoid any more killings, right. you know, just misunderstandings, this breakdown of communication we got going on. So, And when I was in patrol, you know, I was a, 
Well, I, I, I was a lot of things. I'm a CIT officer, which is crisis intervention team. So anytime we were dealing with uh, a cons- what we call a consumer, uh, a mental, you know, uh, patient or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's ways to that you gotta, you know, communicate with them. I also was a field training officer, so new new officers, you know, they would ride with me. They would see how, you know wrote reports or just, you know, dealt with the public, you know. So just depending on, you know, like that's why I said, you know, law enforcement, we have to do a better job of uh, just all around uh, from hiring people, mm-hmm. just really, um, you know, because even now I could think uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I was, so we, we were hiring new officers mm-hmm. and I was doing a background check on, on a, a person. And like when I was getting hired, like social media wasn't a, mm-hmm. you know, a big thing, you Good know. Good thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, it, I mean, this guy, everything, you know, was good. It was good. Perfect. Even you know? the social media piece. But but then no. you get to social media, it's like. So what are y'all, what is the check boxes for social media? Like what, I mean, yeah, because like, I'm like you, when I were, was hired for certain, my careers, Social media wasn't around. So in this situation, what is, you know, you just, the protocol you, for social be media? Careful what you put out there in in the world, you know. So what's like, you not know, acceptable? Even, like I give you an example, and because and you know, you you talked about the uh, code switching. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everybody can't code switch either. You know, some you know some people just on, they're only one way. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't. You know, you, you take them to an Asian community or a Spanish community, you know, they don't speak another language or mm-hmm. just whatever. But certain people will see what you put on social media and, you know, they'll take it a totally different way from than what it is. So I had to explain to uh, some of my coworkers, like the guy had put some things on social media and they was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he put that on. And I was like, dude, he, he he's basically like reciting – or repeating, or those those are rap lyrics. Those oh, aren't his okay. actual thoughts. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people gonna you take. You gotta watch all that. Yeah, you know, and just using certain words, the N word. You know, mm-hmm. just you just gotta be careful. I see that, a lot and of the, that. right, and the young people today coming up, they don't think about that. You know, mm-hmm. they think you know what I post, even if they, like, it's ways around, even mm-hmm. if you post it privately, you mm-hmm. know, but you got so many um, social media outlets, you got Twitter, you got... You have everything, Snapchat, Facebook, right. so, Pinterest, everything. So, so we yeah. need some good social media etiquette. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think mean, I'm going to do a free workshop on that for people. Yeah, I mean, if you want to work in law enforcement or you want to work in the corporate world, I mean, people, mm-hmm. people are looking, they looking at that. They are going to your social media accounts mm-hmm. and... I mean, they're going through them like they're not going back to one or two posts. They going back years. And they, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Very effective <laughs> listeners, you heard the the detective tell you yeah, this. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Just speaking of social media, do you find that let's just say you go on a, you get a call, you go on a crime scene or whatever. Do people pull their phones out and start recording you immediately because you're an officer? Yeah, it depends. Yeah, people have. It's happened to me before. Yeah. But How did you it, it react? Doesn't, it doesn't bother it you? It doesn't bother I mean, me, I'm just a respect, respectful you person. You are. You know, and even I can't remember, you know, where I got it from, but I just remember when I was going to the police academy, different, uh, 
uh, instructors were coming in talking to us, uh, and they just always said like, you know, I always treat people how you want them to treat your mother. If your, you know, your, like if you, you know, if my mom was getting stopped, mm-hmm. you know, how would I want her to be treated? And that's how you know I always, you know, treated people. I always when I was in patrol, I would pull people over. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a respect thing, you know. If you respect me, I'm going to respect you. If you go to a, you know, then I might have to, you know, <laughs> get on that same level with you. But, you know, at the end of the day, and, and when you, like like me in patrol, like my mind was never made up. I pulled a car over, oh, no, nah, I'm about to write them a ticket. Like, no, nah, I mean, it's, it's it's a whole lot. Of, not saying it's right, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of different reasons people, you know, speed, you know. Right. I, I can recall pulling the guy over and uh you know I was having a great day you know but I was doing my job pulled him over and as soon as I walked to the car he just you know mouth and off he got mm-hmm. he got the driver's license you know kind of just already <laughs> out the window he got an attitude yeah attitude so I'm like I get the driver's license I'm like I think I asked him some questions or something and he was just like man just write the ticket I'm like mm-hmm. so I could tell like you know what it's something else going, you know. But a lot of officers won't do that, you know. There's, you know, they okay. I'm gonna write this ticket, boom. So you didn't give them that. But I was like, dude, like, you know, I didn't wake up and say, hey, I'm gonna pull you over. Like, this is our first time ever meeting in life. Like, what, what's up? He had his wife in the car too, mm-hmm. so and I could tell like he was really like, you know how you can tell when somebody's upset. Like, he was almost like he was about to arguing. cry. No, so no. I was like, what's going on? He was like, man, I think they had, like, just had a kid or something. The kid was, like, born premature, you know, was in the hospital. They were trying to get back to the, you know, hospital. It was something, like, along those lines. And I was like, dude, that's all you had to say. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I let him go. But, you know, you just got to, like, be able to read people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a big thing in law enforcement. Like, we not, you know, I just think we're here to help people, mm-hmm. you know, um, so, like, I, I'm one of those guys that just kind of, I go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of officers don't do that. They just, mm-hmm. you know, they just there from, you know, 6 to 2 or 2 to 10, get a check. Get a check. Mm-hmm. They don't care how they talk to people. They don't, you know, and, it, you know, I I just try to, you know, be respectful and mm-hmm. treat people how I want them to treat me or treat my mom. And, you know, we go from there. You know? And you said uh, you got to know how to read people. That's where the psychology training comes in, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I know that kind of gets pretty deep, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're interrogating people. Right, you know, and then you know when you got the good guy, good cop, bad cop, you mm-hmm. know, too. So when we interviewing people, you know, you got the one officer who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you normally, the good cop or the bad cop? Yeah. Which yeah. one you like to be? <sighs> it just depends. You're such a nice guy. So if I was you, I'd probably do the bad cop. I don't really never. I don't do the bad cop. Uh, I do the good cop. The I got a good buddy, good coworker of mine. He's he's he likes being the the bad he cop, but it. he's effective. He's not like uh like cussing and you know mm-hmm. getting all up in your face. But he's just more like stern mm-hmm. and he just lets you know like like I'm not about to play no games. Like you know he's like straight to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'm kind of like laid back trying to get them to more like be more relaxed mm-hmm. but so i start off mm-hmm. and if that don't work then you know <laughs> he kind of comes in but you know yeah i got your little routine down pat yeah you know then you get the you know the young guys you know they they think they so much smarter than us mm-hmm. and they're gonna come in and they gonna you know i got this you know like 
you know, because, and so I, my line, my favorite line I always hit them with, you know, because I got, <laughs> normally got like Banana Republic slacks on, you know, shirt. I'm like, look, man, I ain't always been a cut. Don't let these Banana Republic, you know, need, these, you know, food, these shoes. That's food. your like, line. Right, that's my line. You know, I'm like, you know, and I give them to the kind of, you know, open up, open up more, but, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. Now, you know, there was just, um, some news earlier this week about the death of Triple X Tentacion. He was a rapper, um, 20 years old, um, shopping for a motorcycle. And I heard this guy didn't get out much because I think he was on probation. You know, kind of had a little past, but who doesn't? But mm-hmm. someone pulled up on him, shot him, killed him. And during the crime, I mean, right after it happened, people were just standing out there with their phones recording this dead man. You know, I don't even know if people were calling 911. It's just crazy, right. you know, how people are responding with their phones now, like want to be the first one to post it online. And I don't think it's just I don't think it's just that, though, that they want to be the first to say all. Oh, but, you know, with the recent um police brutality as much as we've you know seen you know unarmed black men getting shot and different things i think that a lot of people think that like that's that's their only defense mm-hmm. you know so that's why you see a lot of the famine because you know if you just go off of trying to tell the judge or you know whoever mm-hmm. you know the prosecutor whoever hey this is what happened it's like you ain't you're not really being heard but if you have video of it mm-hmm. you know it's, it's better. Like, it's like your right, evidence. Right, you know. And then with his situation, I just think, I mean, that's going to help law enforcement in the long run because, mm-hmm. you know, if they can get that video footage, you know, like, I, well, I think they caught the guy, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure just through all those people recording, mm-hmm. they got some type of information, whether it was a tag or partial mm-hmm. tag or, you know, may have actually got it a helped. good image of his face. But, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the the video, if you're not, like, if you're law enforcement and you're doing what you're supposed to do, you shouldn't care if somebody mm-hmm. filming you, you know, so. So are there any laws involved with filming an officer if they approach you? I don't think it's any law. I mean, of course you can't obstruct. Okay, you, you know. can't obstruct. I mean, if the officer tells you to stand back a certain amount of feet, you know. But they can't tell me, take put your phone yeah, up. Yeah, I, I don't think it's any law against that, you mm-hmm. know. But as long as you, you know, not in you know, maybe if it's a crime scene, mm-hmm. obviously you can't be in the crime scene. Or if it's a, you know, just some kind of altercation and he just tell you, hey, like, like get back, you can film from the sidewalk or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see anything, you know. But no, it's no law that I know of. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know, that's interesting you said that um, maybe the people that was filming, you know, helped out with leading to an arrest. Do you all get a lot of social media leads that come out to be? I don't really want to speak on it too Why much. not? <laughs> Why not? I don't want to give away. Oh, okay. I mean, but social media is... Uh, <laughs> Helpful. Like, it's... Let's... <sighs> I don't want my bosses, like, calling me in the office tomorrow, but... I don't I mean, I, they They know, but... Yeah. I mean, I'm saying this on, you know... But, I mean, that's, like, what I do. When I get to work, my oh. first two hours... Wow. Just to, or it just depends on what I'm working on. Like I'm on social media, mm-hmm. you know. Because that's where the juice is. You, you'll be amazed at some 
Oh, it's crazy. Like, like, I, a, like I'm really like the go. They post. Oh, I'm like the go-to guy. Like, even if wow. you don't post, you know, a lot of people their uh, their profile or their pages aren't set up in their real names. Mm-hmm. You know, still you finding fun. all the still, juice still out. Finding, you know, because a lot of like, especially the young, 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 uh, the youth, mm-hmm. they pages not private. Mm-hmm. They post everything on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I'm working a case now. I found out who, who the my my suspects were, and then I mean, I just typed in their name and went to their. That easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had another one about a week ago, and I had two of the suspects, but I couldn't find out who the third person was. So just going through social <laughs> media, looking at pictures. One led to the other. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yep. something? Yep. And then I had a I had a case a couple of months ago. I found the guy on social media, but I didn't know his real name. Mm-hmm. And he took a picture, and he was leaned up against a car, and the tag I could see the partial tag on the on the uh, vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I ran, so we got different databases that we got a lot of databases that we can mm-hmm. use. And I just put that partial tag in the database. Boom, boom. Came back and came back to his mom, mm-hmm. did some more researching, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know. And see, you probably looking at these pictures and stuff. You're looking for intricate details that people probably don't look at when they're scrolling down oh, yeah. the timeline. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Social media. Yeah, so social media up. is. Uh, I even go a step further. I, I recently did a um, PowerPoint mm-hmm. presentation. Uh, and it was I, it was a social it was about social media, and the first first one was a case out of uh, New York where this uh, drug dealer had posted a bunch of stuff on like on his page, and so he also like I guess like private message you know or inbox one of his friends and told him a lot of information. Well, that friend shared that information with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So in his trial, he tried to say that since he spoke or he was he sent that to his friend and you know it was private, that it shouldn't be admitted in you know in court. Isn't and the judge true? ruled that you know when you it's not when, if I send you something, it's not private anymore. You you're you're at liberty to show that to whoever you want to mm-hmm. show it to. So like I said, the judge allowed it in, and I mean it was a big key, big piece to the you know to the case or whatnot. So hmm. basically what I'm saying is like what you put up and then law enforcement like me, like I use my personal page. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not liking any, you know, if I'm going, going to someone's page, I'm not liking anything. I'm just looking. basically just looking. So they don't have any expectation of privacy, you know, because like I didn't like send them a friend request or anything <laughs> like that. That page is it's not, private. It's not private. I'm going through it. Mm-hmm. And then the second case was, uh, a case out of uh, Knoxville, two UT football players were accused of like rape, mm-hmm. and and this is how social media can help you as well. Like in the case of the one in New York, it didn't help that guy because you know obviously he went to jail. But these two um, Knoxville football players, UT football players, they um, they were accused of rape, and I think the victim had like private. 
conversations over social media with her friends about, I guess, that it didn't really happen or, oh, or like just major, wow, major information that could help, you know, free those guys. Like, I'm just going to get that. Right. And her attorney knew that these messages existed and they never presented it. So, you know, the defense found out or whatever mm-hmm. and, you know, they filed a motion and like, hey, these messages are out here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the judge allowed it in. Her attorney had to know that <laughs> you somebody was going to find right. that information. Right. So that's two instances where, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a suspect or you're a victim, mm-hmm. you know, social media can help you. Mm-hmm. you know, so. Wow. I need to see this PowerPoint. Help you or hurt you. You do for social media because when I talk to the kids, um, I often speak about social media etiquette. But you bring a whole nother perspective on yeah. it. You know, things that they need to know. Just a general, and the, the public in general need to know about social media because, you know, people just put too much of their business out there. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, if yeah, they do. I, I'm, I'm a victim of that, as, you know, as well. I, put a, I post a lot, but, you know. Come on now, I'm talking about. Well, but yeah, but I'm saying, you know, if you out here doing illegal activities Mm -hmm. you know you don't need to be posting Mm -hmm. you know your business but hey they do they do and uh (laughs) like i said (laughs) it's very helpful you know the law enforcement it sure is now what uh share with some um with us some of the positive work going on with the germantown police department in particular in the Uh, community i don't know who actually like started this but um but what it's a couple of um, uh, residents in Germantown. They do the cop stop. Mm-hmm. Have you have you heard of? No. What is the cop stop? So it's cop stop. So you would you would host a uh, cop stop at your your residence. You know you would cook like mm. you know lunch or prepare or provide lunch or breakfast or whatever it may be for officers and they you know they come into your home and just you know just to and like so say you lived in a cove you may invite all your neighbors say hey i'm doing a cop stop you know germantown police are gonna come over and you know y'all can meet you know the guys that's patrolling that was sound good yeah so we we have a couple of people they do that i mean like once a month or you know Mm -hmm. twice a month so I mean, we're going into people' homes, and they're getting to like actually know us, mm-hmm. you know. Which is great. Which is great. So is um, the food good? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of like picky, picky about eating, you know, especially now since I've been on this like health, mm-hmm. you know, eating clean. So, uh, but the last one we we went to, uh, uh, I didn't want to go because, like I said, I've been eating clean and. Mm-hmm. They were like, man, come on! I'm telling you, it's gonna be good. Like, you know, make just make this your cheat day. Mm-hmm. And but it was it was really good. But um, did they have some healthy options for you? Uh, they did, mm-hmm. and and you know they had cookies. I didn't you know do the cookies and the chips and all that stuff. Oh, okay. But the main dish, yeah, it was it was it was, it was yeah. Now when you say you're eating clean now, what does that mean, Hayward? <sighs> well, so I do the Daniel fast. What's that? The Daniel fast is uh so Daniel out of the Bible mm-hmm. he fasted for you know like ten days he I don't want to get all biblical but basically what the Daniel fast is it's a it's a uh, it's not a thirty day fast it could be a seven day it could be fourteen it could be twenty one but um it's just fruits and vegetables and water so it's no meat no dairy products no alcohol 
no bread, no sugar, nothing with sugars in it except, you know, the natural sugars from fruit. So uh, I started doing this about 10 years ago. And, of course, when I started, I, I did like a week. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the first two years I would do seven days. Then I progressed to, you know, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it's actually the 20, it's actually called the 21-day Daniel Fast. Mm-hmm. And so I did 21. But the last three or four years I've been doing 30 days. Wow. So I just... I just uh, it takes a lot of you know discipline. You know it's crazy because I bought like all these fruits and vegetables. What are some of your favorite fruits to eat? Uh, banana, bananas, apples, uh, grapes, cantaloupe. Uh, I don't do a lot of like this year. I did a lot of uh, watermelon, but normally, yeah. (laughs) And then vegetables, just uh, pretty much like uh, broccoli, green beans. Uh, lima beans. So that's what you're eating. Let's say for dinner, um, a plate of broccoli, or you mix it up. No, no, no. So, so like breakfast would be. Uh, it may just be like a, uh, like a small fruit tray or mm-hmm. something, or uh, it may just be an apple and a banana, something like that. Then lunches, you know, it's usually like broccoli, green beans, corn, like because you can eat as much of it as you want, but right. that's just all you can have. You is know. it filling? Yeah, yeah, it's filling. You know, the first two days, not me now, but when I first started, but, you know, the first two days, you, you know, you get the headaches and, you know, you get the mm-hmm. cravings and then kind of after that. But it's it's something spiritual as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to, you know, be in your Bible. You're supposed to be praying and, mm-hmm. you know, asking God for strength and all of that. But, mm-hmm. you know, dinner's pretty much the, you know, same thing. And I can snack. I snack on um like cashews, you know, walnuts, mm-hmm. different things like that, because you can get your protein from there. You get protein from the beans as well, but uh, I do this popcorn. It's simply, uh, it's the uh, simply natural, simply salted popcorn, mm-hmm. and I snack on that. And it's crazy because I go to the grocery store and I buy all this stuff, <laughs> and then you know, my daughter and my wife, they eating, they eating. Whatever they they eating cookies, chips, mm-hmm. ice cream, you know. But then they eating my fruit. They trying to eat your stuff. <laughs> so you know, I'm like, you know, they be like, well, we want to be healthy too. I'm like, well, if you want to be healthy, you then you gotta, it. you can't eat the cookies and it, you know. So mm-hmm. this just, I don't know, you know, because I buy, I try to buy enough for like the last me that week, mm-hmm. and they eat my apples, my my, <laughs> my grapes, you know. But so I did that for thirty days because I normally I do that every year anyway. But mm-hmm. usually I do it in January. Okay. Year, but the I was Daniel at, Fast. Yeah, but I was at the National Forensic Academy for ten weeks, so you know we were hanging out, you know, just being away from home. It was kind of difficult, and so when I came back, when I graduated from that in March, came back, I started the fast, mm-hmm. and then after the fast, I just started eating clean. Basically, like in the morning, I get up, and I just eat plain. Old school oatmeal, mm. and I maybe put like a banana or some blueberries in yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta put some with it. Hey, sometimes I don't. Sometimes, yeah. And then lunch is, uh, man, it's just broccoli and grilled chicken, grilled okay, chicken breast. Okay, so you can have chicken. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm eating meat now. I'm, I did the okay. fast for thirty okay. days, but since the fast, I'm just oh, okay. chicken and broccoli or fish. You really don't want to shock bro- your system, right? Like. 
coming off of the fast or does oh yeah, yeah 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 coming off the fast yeah I, I don't i didn't go right into eating chicken i just mm-hmm. kind of slowly worked it in yeah slowly worked it in but now like i said i'm just chicken fish and then some kind of green vegetable mm-hmm. i think and, i could do and it. water and water water yeah. is the key yeah water is a healer of so many things yeah absolutely and it's good and it's refreshing and and i try to tell my son particularly my oldest son, that he needs to drink more water versus all these Gatorades. You know yeah, what I'm saying? He want to tear this Gatorade yeah. up. Right. I'm and like, was, water is the best option. Yeah, and I was big on, like, I'm <laughs> big on juice. Like, mm-hmm. any kind of juice, Gatorade, mm-hmm. drinking juicy juice. But it says sugar in it, right? Right, all that. And so I haven't had, like, I think Saturday. Yeah, Saturday would be 90 days. I kind of, I've been eating clean. Mm-hmm. I lost That's 30 awesome. pounds. So 30 pounds? Yeah. I need to do the Daniel you know, fast. Yeah, everybody looking at me like, man, what's wrong with me? You all right? You do look like you lost some weight, but you look fit, though. Yeah, because I've been uh, started, like, you know, because you got to be well balanced. Like, I do a lot of cardio, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm lifting. I started lifting, like, heavier now, so it won't, I won't look so, you know, I guess skinny. You don't look skinny, but, but, you know, yeah. being in law enforcement, hey, you got to stay fit. I know. And then you all have to be mentally fit. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you remain mentally healthy in your role in law enforcement? Running. Go to a psychiatrist? Running. Running? That's, that's, yeah. That's, that's my therapy. Like, seriously. Like, you mm-hmm. know, if, I'm ha- if, I, if I have a bad day, you know, it's nothing for me to just go, you know, and everybody don't run, but, you know, um, it's nothing for me to just go on a three mile run or five mile. You know, I just run it off. You know, I don't bring my. You know, I try. That's why I say I, don't, I try not to go home and talk about my work. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you know your friends, your family. You know, because I hate. I also hate when you know, like I'm out at a you know social function or something. People and, bringing up a case. Well, somebody you know, like my brother or mm-hmm. just, just. Oh yeah, he. You know, he. A, you know, he a cop, but he's like, man, like that is, it's kind of, it ain't really good. Cause you like, depending on where you are, like you, you don't know how people going to react to that. You know, mm-hmm. especially they may like, not be themselves around. Yeah. You. you know, if you had a house function or something, like, it's like, ah, bro, come on. Wow. But, um, yeah, I just, my thing is just fitness. That's how, how I deal with it, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, and like you said, you know, it just goes back. You were saying, how do you stay mentally? You know, you know, law enforcement hard. You know, the divorce rate for mm-hmm. law enforcement is high. You know, a lot of guys turn to mm. drinking, and yeah. you know, it, I don't know. So I just I always been the type of person who uh, just always was like mentally strong anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it's just being way around it, just being grounded. You know, being physically, mentally, spiritually, just trying to yeah. stay grounded. But you know. I don't know. But like for some of your coworkers that may not be as strong as you, um, do a lot of them seek mental health from a psychiatrist? I I I, I don't know of anyone mm-hmm. that does. It would seem like and all it, of you would do it. You know, like for based on some of the things you see and Yeah. I, I mean I know that And that's like, just me. I know moment. it's been incidents where, you know, we've had uh officer involved shootings and in, in things in Germantown. And, you know, those guys, they they get that after, you know, because, you know, you never, you know, people think 
police just want to, you know, they always just want to shoot people, you know. But it affects mm -hmm. the officer, you know, because, you know, you just, I'm not talking about the, you know, the unarmed, the un, you know. Right. But, you know, when you have to use your weapon and, you know, injure or kill somebody, like, it affects you. You know, if you're not, you know, if you're not, you know, we all human, so. But, yeah, they go through, like, a little time where they, you know, go through training to kind of, you know, just express, you know, how they feeling and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of replay everything that happened, you know. So, but mm -hmm. but for the most part, just guys I deal with on the day-to-day, coworkers, I, I don't know if and if they are doing it, they're they not telling. They're not telling, you right. know, so. Right. Uh, That's interesting. I just kind of never been in a situation where I, you know, needed to, you know, talk to anybody, mm -hmm. you know. But I, I know. find in more and more people are you know seeking mental health help you know right from a, an expert or a professional that can help with that and they kind of make me think about what these kids are going through right now that are being separated from their parents oh god that's terrible can yeah. you imagine <laughs> mm. your child being taken from you instead of you just giving your kid back and y'all go back where y'all came from? Yeah. You know, um, the government released some type of policies where, um, I guess, these refugees, immigrants trying to cross the border, they're keeping their kids, they're sending the parents back. And mm -hmm. that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in the world. And I'm thinking today, or was it yesterday, Trump supposedly has signed an executive order stopping the separation right but from what i'm seeing online today is really a crock of bull like it's oh, really, really it's really not spelling out how are these kids gonna get back to their parents to me that's my thing how are they tracking right these kids and did you see the conditions that they yeah, are in was, just deplorable yeah yeah have I mean, you it's, it's i mean you got what? guys incarcerated that's living you know better right. than, yeah i don't know that was, it's, it was real. It was sad when I saw that. It's so disturbing. Yeah. That yeah. in America, this is going on. Yeah. We we got a lot going on in America that we, that's how I say, we just as a whole, you know, law enforcement, uh, uh, you know, politicians, everybody, like, seriously, got to do a better job. You know, yes. if, you know, we think we doing a, a great job, then, you know, this gonna continue, like I said, the culture, just our way of thinking, just mm -hmm. you know, that's that's just humanity. I mean, like mm -hmm. you know, you gonna a ten year old or five year old kid like sleeping, you know, it's concrete okay. with. <laughs> it looked like what kind of covers are those? Like uh, yeah. it looked like some aluminum foil. Like what is this? Right. What right. is going on? It just hurt my heart. Yeah. It just hurt my heart. So I hope these kids. Um, get back to their parents um other news the nba draft what's up <laughs> with that hayward now i do see that the memphis grizzlies they're currently in discussions with a number of teams to trade the number four um in today's draft uh number four pick and they're saying that like that likely will include forward chandler parsons what are your thoughts on this draft and you know, the Grizzlies. You think we're going to get somebody good? What's going on with the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies are... <laughs> a lost time? Yeah, they're a mess right now. They're a mess. Uh, with that fourth pick, uh, it just depends on how those first three picks, like, play out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we can, uh, at, at the fourth pick, if we could get, you know, a Marvin Bagley or a Luka Doncic, one of those two guys, mm-hmm. I say, you know, we'll be doing really, really good. But if not, if we can't get one of those top three projected guys, then I say we probably need to trade the pick <laughs> and move down in the draft maybe uh, to where we can get, like, multiple players versus, you know, mm-hmm. versus one. But I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see because, I mean, they're in a tough position. You know, you would think we finished with the second worst record in the NBA, but then they did the lottery and we end up with the fourth pick. How, how did that pan out like that? <laughs> yeah, it's rigged. It's rigged. Are <laughs> oh, you a yeah. Grizzlies fan? I am. Uh, I'm a, you know, diehard Lakers fan, you know, first and foremost, but just being, you know, homegrown, you know, Memphian, of course I got a root for the Grizzlies. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, I support the Grizzlies, but mm-hmm. right now it's uh, it's not looking good. We uh, <laughs> – It's sad. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not looking good. The front office is a mess. You know, we, you know, we really don't know who's running the team, who's making the decisions. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking it's going to be, uh, I'm going to watch the news and they're going to say, the Memphis Grizzlies have been sold. Yeah, yeah. That's all. That's That's been rumored for a while. but For what, Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. They've, but know, if they've, Vegas they've, wanted a team, they would have been had a team, right? <laughs> well, you know what? It's coming because now with the, uh, you know, they're like legalizing betting in sports, professional mm-hmm. sports, so. Like it's only a matter of time before yeah Vegas has a team. Why but hasn't I just Vegas hope they, had a team? I just hope they don't take you know our team away and move yeah. it to Vegas. But. Yeah, well, like you were telling me earlier about the FedEx form, they can't just do that because of with some some legal ties we have. Yeah, I think binding. they have some kind of yeah contractual agreement about being here a certain amount of years or mm-hmm. something like that. But you know we're gonna see what the Grizzlies do tonight. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make a good decision that, you know, because so. Memphis is a tough city that, you know, you can't just pick anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be somebody that can kind of. We getting LeBron. <sighs> nah, LeBron went last. LeBron. <laughs> he went, well, he, ain't, he ain't, you know. He, he went last. What nah. about all these people uh, that I've been seeing who are like possible picks saying, I don't even want, uh-uh, if, if it's Memphis. I don't want to play no more. Like, yeah. really? Is it that serious? Yeah, I just think it's because of the front office. Just you know, the um, uh, perception is that the front office is kind of in disarray. Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody really knows who's making the decisions, mm-hmm. and and so people just kind of trying to stay. You know, you don't want to go to a yeah. bad situation. Right. You know? Exactly. So, who is the coach now? Is it the same guy that used to be the assistant coach? Yeah, uh, uh, Bickerstaff. But then they add someone to the Grizzlies. I might be thinking about the Memphis Tigers. They added uh, some uh, Jerry Stackhouse to the as, Grizzlies as an assistant. Yeah. Okay. Is that a good choice? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a veteran. He's a guy that played, you know, probably fifteen plus years in the NBA. He was all, you know, he was a superstar or all star at one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, he's paying his dues now because he's he had been coaching on at the uh, D League. Or G League mm-hmm. uh, level, so he's been doing that like three or four years. So he's kind of you know working his way up. Wow. So yeah, I mean, 
you know, North Carolina alum. That's you know, mm-hmm. he, he played for <laughs> Dean Smith, so he he definitely you know knows the game. So yeah, I think that's a great addition. Well, hopefully we get some great additions from this draft. We'll find out tonight, right? Yeah, you never know what the Grizzlies. I just hope my Lakers, though. You know. <laughs> well, uh, you got the balls. We don't. We we have a. Uh, we don't have a lottery pick, though. But yeah. but okay, who who's like hooping on the Lakers right now? Lorenzo. Lonzo, 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 Lonzo Ball, yeah. But Lonzo. but the daddy said he want his whole his whole <laughs> lineage, yeah. lineage. Yeah, in the you Greeks. can't take him seriously. He's just he's just a show. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's L.A. It's Hollywood, so you mm-hmm. know he's just giving the people mm-hmm. a show. He don't really. I don't think he really truly think that they gonna let that go down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see what's going on with you, Lakers. But, uh, hey, well, I have really enjoyed you on Verbally Effective, episode 24. And I really want you to give my listeners some, what is the best advice you can give our listeners about communication with the police? Just really just doing what the, you know, because like me, I never had, a, before I became a law enforcement officer, I never had, and I know it's, you know, it's bad cops out there. You know, there's going to be some instances where, you know, you did everything you're supposed to do and, um, you know, they acted a certain way or, you know, went over, you know, went over their steps or whatever. But I, I'm just I'm saying not to try to win the the win it on on the scene. You know, if you get pulled over by a law enforcement officer, just, you know, give your license, give whatever information. If you feel like you've been violated. That's why you got internal affairs to kind of, de- you know, after the fact. Then, like we we discussed earlier, you have, uh, you know, recording, filming, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Because like you said, you know, people just out here feel like that's their only line of defense. But, you know, uh, before I was in law enforcement, you know, I got pulled over, you know. Mm-hmm. Asked for your license, you know. I went like, what, what you pulling me over for, mm-hmm. you know, just – you know, you can deal with that later. Have a good attitude. Yeah, just get have a good attitude. Because I know, you know, like I said, I can't speak for the bad cops, but I just know me when I dealt with people. Like, I never, like, even just pulling somebody over on a simple traffic stop, I never, like, made up my mind, like, oh, is he getting a ticket, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just calm down. Mm-hmm. Do what the officer mm-hmm. asks you to do. And then you can deal with it, you know. You know, on the back end, because at the end of the day, you want to go home. You know, people got kids. Right. You know, you got a family. You know, so you want to go home. You know, that would just kind of be, be my advice. You know. Well, thank you, Hayward. We really appreciate it, and I want you to keep holding it down for Germantown. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep on training these recruits on <laughs> on how to deal with certain situations and certain people. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. And thank you so thank you, much. Thank you for having me. You're Welcome anytime. I was born in a trap. I have no fear of death. We all want to do that. It's just life. I'm just nice. Tonight I might raise my price. Great advice. Damn you, ho. Jesus Christ. I can do anything.